Hello, and welcome to another edition of Maplewood Barn Radio Theater, brought to you in conjunction with KBIA. Tonight's presentation is from a local artist, Kevin R. Doyle, whose novelette, One Hell of a Gig, has been adapted for the radio show. Kevin is a teacher and fiction writer from central Missouri. His short stories have been published in over 25 magazines, mainly in the horror and suspense fields. One Hell of a Gig is his first mainstream novelette, and the entire story is available from Amazon or Barnes & Noble or through Vagabondage Press. We encourage you to support our local writers by purchasing a copy. Now, Maplewood Barn Radio Theater is proud to present the premier audio adaptation of One Hell of a Gig by Kevin R. Doyle. Yeah, I knew Rob Jeffers back before he hit the big time, before he was a rock star as big as the Beatles and Led Zeppelin and, yes, even Elvis. I guess it's been long enough now that I can tell the whole story, including the parts no one else knows. But where to begin? Hello? Hey, Frank. Did you hear the news? No. What's up, Annie? Rob Jeffers just died. What? Died? Yep. It just came over the news. Drugs? Well, they're saying it was a heart attack, but you know how that goes. I'm... I'm I'm stunned. I I don't know what to say. Don't worry about it, Frank. It's, It's just, well, he was such a rock and roll icon, and I knew you were acquainted with him, so I thought you ought to know. Yeah, sure, Annie. Thanks for calling. Hey, Frank, if you need anything, you know where I am. My initial thought was to ask if she could pick up a couple of bottles of Jack Daniels and join me in a hot tub, but I didn't say that. I stood in front of the phone for several minutes, thinking about what it meant that Rob Jeffers was dead. It was one of those events, like the Challenger explosion or 9-11, that seared into my memory. Then the phone rang again, and I made the mistake of answering it. Yeah? Peters, this is uh, Harlan. Have you heard the news? Yeah, boss, I just heard. When can we expect the story? The story? What story? Are, are you kidding? This is the biggest celebrity death of the day, maybe for the week. It's all over the networks. And you knew it back before he was bald with that horrible comb over. This is just a huge opportunity for our paper. Did you find my pre-done obit? Yeah, hell yeah. And after about half an hour of digging through that ungodly filing system you have, that's not the same as having you, though, someone who knew him, writing up some fresh human interest copy. I mean, this was Rob Jeffers, for Christ's sake. Yes. Rob Jeffers. Hey, you are the man here. This story is golden. I sighed, excuses zipping through my head. None of them sounded good enough, so I hung up. Looking back on it, I realize Harlan was absolutely right. The paper did lose a great opportunity. Here was the sudden death of one of the true greats in the music industry, right up there with Elvis, Michael Jackson, and Johnny Cash. And I was the original guy, the one who had first interviewed Jeffers when he was a no-name in Ohio. Back in college, I worked for the student newspaper, and my supervisor had assigned me to cover this local band that was playing at the student union. When I got there, the place was packed. It was a wall of human flesh. 
Getting to the stage was out of the question, so I retreated back to the sidewalk, wondering how I would ever get an interview with the band. Then, out of the corner of my eye, I saw this average-sized guy in a wildly colored Hawaiian shirt sprinting up the sidewalk. He screeched to a halt in front of me and, with a look of confusion, said, Excuse me, is this the place for the concert? Yeah, but good luck getting in. The place is packed, mostly with girls. Really? Cool. Hey, you a student here? Yeah, but... Can you show me how to get in? Like, isn't there a service entrance or something? I'm with the band, and I'm running late. I think I can get you in, but I need something in return. Yeah? What, what, what's that? Well, you see, I'm with the student paper and need an interview. Sure, no problem. Meet me after the show. As I stood backstage listening, it was hard to imagine the man on the sidewalk would become a huge rock star. The band, originally called the Squirrel Nuts, was really bad. Or maybe it was just my taste in music because the audience, mostly female, seemed to have a great time. As the final encore was winding down, I caught the lead singer by the arm and led him to a dressing room just off stage for the interview. Hey, got any pot? Uh, no. Uh, any booze? Uh, no. No? What kind of reporter are you? A student reporter, totally lacking in psychoactive substances. Well, this isn't going to be much fun, so let's get it over with. What do you want to know? As it turned out, the story was less than mediocre. It appeared on page 9 and was cut from 10 column inches to 6. There was absolutely nothing to distinguish it from any other filler in a college newspaper. Yet, as Rob Jeffers became more and more famous, that story took on an iconic aura that established me in my chosen profession. Somehow I graduated from college and, in my youthful exuberance, decided to try my luck as a newspaper man in California. I submitted my portfolio at the LA Times and the San Francisco Examiner, assuming they would spot my undeniable genius and hire me to write for their front pages. Wrong. After many attempts, I landed my first professional job at the Lodi Examiner. Lodi, for Christ's sakes. I mean, Creedence Clearwater even wrote a song about what a dump Lodi is. But it was great to have a job, and then came the first interview with the managing editor. Peters, you'll be writing obituaries. Obits? But that is the lowest of the low. Yep, that's why we're giving it to you. We need you at your desk six days a week, reviewing death notices, checking with hospitals, those things. Is there a daily quota of morbidity I need to fill? Yes, we'll need a minimum of 30 column inches per day. And what if nobody dies? Oh, you'll also be covering the Garden Club and the Methodist Quilting Society. Use them as filler. It was a depressing start. Still, I must have done okay because within a year I was promoted to writing hard news. About this time, I was driving home one night and heard a new song on the radio and the voice sounded kind of familiar. I turned up the volume and the voice sounded familiar, but I couldn't quite place it. But then it hit me. That voice... It was Rob Jeffers singing to me out of the radio. A few months later, I heard he was playing a small venue in a nearby town. I asked my editor if I could cover it. 
Why? You're on you're on hard news, not the entertainment section. Roy, we don't have an entertainment section. And that is exactly my point. So what's it to you? This Jeffers guy seems to be gaining popularity, turning into some kind of star. I interviewed him for a college newspaper several years ago. Okay, since you knew him, but you better put out some good copy. It was not a big venue they were playing, maybe a thousand seats. But Jeffers was not a big star yet. He only had one top ten single. I got backstage using my press pass, and in the five years since that college interview, Rob Jeffers had developed a fine voice. He was much smoother than the caterwauling I had heard at the university. After the show, he was surrounded by muscle-bound security guys and men in suits. Finally, I caught his eye, and he came over to me. Hey, you're that college guy, right? Right. I'm surprised you recognized me. Yeah, g- give me a second. I'll get, I'll get the name right. Fenton, right? No, Peters. Ah, really? I'm usually good at remembering names. Well, what the hell? Do do you mind if I call you Fenton? The name is actually Frank Peters. Okay, Frank. So you showing up here tonight. Is this a coincidence? Not really. I'm covering your show for the paper in Lodi. Lodi, huh? Well, you know what they say about Lodi. You mean the Creedence Clearwater song? Yeah, you you know. Oh, Lord, stuck in Lodi, Guess that's you, huh? Well, hey, come over here to the dressing room and we can talk. Sony is after me to sign a record deal, but it's very hush-hush, okay? In a way, it was almost like a replay of the interview five years before. Only now, instead of some grubby garage band singer, I was interviewing a man on the verge of stardom. It was that second interview with Jeffers that finally got me out of Lodi. A few weeks after the piece ran, I got a call. Hey, Peters, pick up line three. What do they want? It's about the story you did on that singer a month or so ago. I'm busy. Frank, you really need to take this call. Why, who is it? The mayor, the police chief? I didn't recognize the name, but he said he's from the L.A. Times. Ten years of working for the Times gave me a chance to hone my skills, and, in all modesty, I turned into a first-class reporter. The second interview with Jeffers had landed me a job in the entertainment section, but I eventually worked my way up to the city desk and was once again doing hard news. It was a Wednesday night, about 6.30, and I had stayed late at the office, even though there was nothing much for me to work on. My private line rang, so I jabbed the button and picked it up. Hey, man. How are you hanging, guy? Can I help you? Surely you jest. Don't you recognize my voice, Fenton? My initial response was, no, this is Peters, when it hit me. There was only one person who called me Fenton. I paused, stunned. Hey, Fenton, you there, man? This can't be who I think it is. Depends. Depends on whether you think it's an acquaintance of yours from way back, and I do mean way back. Jeffers? The one and only. It's a good thing I remembered your real name, Peters, or I would have never found you. Then why do you always call me Fenton? I don't know. You just look like a Fenton to me. Hey, man, my new beach house won't be ready for a few more days, so I'm staying at this ritzy hotel, killing time when I saw your name in the paper. 
Seems like you've been doing okay the last few years. So I repeat, my man, how you hanging? It should be noted that during my years in L.A., Rob Jeffers had exploded in the rock world. Five platinum albums and more number one singles than most artists see in a lifetime. He was being equated with the Beatles, Elvis, and Michael Jackson, which made his phone call even more bewildering. When I arrived at his room, there was a huge party taking place on the floor above. As I stood outside his door, I wondered why Rob Jeffers was calling a reporter and inviting him up to a secret hotel room. Hey, if it isn't my old buddy Fitton, come on in for a drink, man. Uh, sure, I guess. Your poison. My bourbon, neat. Quite a few, huh? Except for that smog. Yeah, nice view. Hey, whoa, I don't need a full glass of bourbon. Ah, come on, live a little, Fitton. You know, sometimes when I'm in a city, I like to get the largest room I can with the best view and just look out over everything. Almost makes me feel important. Hey, so did you hear the news? You mean about your new album, Rain God, going platinum last month, Mr. Jeffers? Hey, please do me a favor. Call me Rob, okay? The last ten years, I've heard Mr. Jeffers so much that I'm, I'm ready to puke. Okay, uh, Rob. So, what's the news? It went double platinum! Faster than any album of mine ever did. Isn't that wonderful? Sure, that's great, but you don't sound very happy. That's good news. And it comes on a great day. Great day? Yeah, it's my birthday. Really? Really. The big 4-0 today, and you know what? What? Off the record? Sure, off the record. It's pathetic. My most successful album yet. A major birthday, and there's not a person in the world I want to celebrate with. No one? There's a whale of a party going on upstairs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 58 of my closest friends and associates partying like crazy in celebration of my good fortune. And I bet not one of them even has noticed I'm not even there. All things considered, it was pitiful. He had put on weight and was going bald. But to compensate for that, he'd grown a ghastly Abe Lincoln beard with an upper lip the color of a fish's underbelly. Rob Jeffers was feeling melancholy on his birthday, and in a moment of weakness, he had reached out to me. But it was obvious he regretted it now and didn't really want me there. So I finished the bourbon and left, drunk as an Irish sailor at his mother's wake. So long, Mr. Nice Guys, what you said. Those words hit me like a ton of lead Yeah See, I tried to get over it But my heart bled For useless in this condition The end of the In some weird way, that sad episode in the hotel seemed to mark the zenith of my newspaper career. For the next five years, I went to work, did my job, but somehow my heart wasn't in it like before. Jeffers kept making records, but he'd cut down on his touring. It was kind of sad that in those few years, the guy had become something of a joke. There had recently been a skit on Saturday Night Live about an aging rock star, clearly intended to be you-know-who, who couldn't fit through a door to get into a concert. Soon after, one day, my phone rang, and it was my friend, Annie. Rob Jeffers just died. I knew you were acquainted with him, so I thought you ought to know. The legend was dead. But another legend had just begun. Jeffers' tribute bands and imitators began popping up like kids at a trampoline convention. And they were all working for the same thing, to make a buck off the stardom of Rob Jeffers. This sent me into a complete tailspin. My life simply crumbled. I soon lost my job at the Times, 
lost my apartment and alienated all my friends. I packed up, got in the car, and started driving. I didn't care where I was going. After some time, my depression began to subside, but the best job I could land was at the National Speculator, which specialized in stories about things like magic healing bananas from outer space and mutated children who were genetically spliced with wolverines. One day I was sitting at my desk trying to craft a story about a group of duck hunters who had accidentally shot an angel out of the sky when I was summoned by the boss, Mr. Gibson. Hey, Peters, I've got an assignment for you. One I think you'll like. But I'm working on the Buckshot Angel story. Oh, no, 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 never mind that. You're headed for Topeka. That's in Kansas. There's been a sighting of Rob Jeffers. Uh... You, you, you got a problem with that? Actually, I do. Jeffers? Some loser thinks they saw him in the checkout line of the grocery store, right? That's where he's usually spotted these days, or did they see him coming off a UFO arm-in-arm -arm with Bigfoot? Jeez, Walt... Uh, uh, so what? I still don't see the problem. The problem is that it's ridiculous. For Christ's sakes, the guy died nearly ten years ago. Yet every other week, some hungover trailer park wife is convinced she's run into him on the street. It's a joke. Well, of, of course it's a joke. That's what we deal in. That's what sells copies. Selling copies brings in money which pays our salaries. Come on, Walt. How do we know she just didn't see a Jeffers impersonator? Hell, ever since the guy died, every bum with a passing resemblance has been milking that cash cow for everything they can. That's the point. Excuse me? You, you knew the guy, right? Back in the day? I didn't really know him. Interviewed him a couple of times was all. Oh, close enough. You can put a personal spin on this story. Give it some real heart. Play up your friendship. There wasn't any friendship. Oh, it doesn't matter. It'll make a great story. <sighs> Whatever you say, boss. Maybe I'll find out he's been abducted by aliens. Wow, that'd be great. I landed in Kansas City and drove to Topeka for my interview with Janice Shriver, the keen-eyed spotter of Rob Jeffers. Miss Shriver was gamefully employed at the local Dairy Queen, lived in the Curvy Roads trailer park, and had never finished high school. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, there were some surprises yet to come. She was a lot younger and sharper than I thought she'd be. Of course it was Rob Jeffers. I was no farther away from him than I am from you right now. How close did you get to him? It was right here in the Dairy Queen. I work here some nights. He came in for a burger and fries, and I took his order and his money. But how did you know? Are you kidding? 
My parents have been listening to that guy for years. They've got all his records and this big poster of him. And what did he say? Well, he said, I'll take a double cheeseburger and fries. And you said? I said, that'll be three forty-six plus tax. Come on, man. Why didn't you ask me what you really want to ask? What did he sound like? Sound like? Yeah, like moods. Happy, sad, mad. What did he sound like? Actually, he sounded kind of lost. In the ten years since he died, an inordinate amount of no-talent hacks had made their livelihoods as Jeffers impersonators. They appeared at store openings, wedding parties, bars, state fairs, anywhere they could squeeze a nickel out of the rubes. And within a week of his death, the conspiracy nuts had cranked up, spinning out all kind of tales about how he was still alive. One particularly good one was that Jeffers, Jim Morrison, and Elvis were running a brothel somewhere in the Nevada desert. I was a hardened veteran reporter, and while I had to write tripe for the National Speculator to pay the light bills, I didn't believe any of that crap. Back in Kansas City, I checked into a cheap Best Western close to the airport. The hotel had a lounge attached so I could get totally soused before bed and not worry about driving. As a crowning irony, there was a large poster in the motel lobby advertising the lounge entertainment for the evening. A Rob Jeffers impersonator. Oh boy, I couldn't miss this. I took a seat as far away from the stage as possible and ordered dinner. I had to admit it, this guy actually had some talent. And somewhere in the next several minutes, while munching on my steak with my eyes turned away from the stage, just listening to the music, it hit me. I listened and I remembered. And then I understood. I just wasn't sure what to do about it. I approached him before he could leave the stage and cleared my throat. <clears throat> yes. Mr. Uh, Zinsky? Yes. My name's Frank Peters. I'm a reporter for the National Speculator. How can I help you? Well, I'm doing a story on celebrity impersonators, and, of course, one of the biggest is Rob Jeffers. So I was wondering if you would No mind... interviews. It won't take long. Honest, just a few questions, Mr. Zinsky. What's the secret to doing a good Rob Jeffers impersonation? Hello, Fenton. How are you hanging? I don't... I don't believe it. Ah, believe it. Believe it and deal with it, I have. How long? Do what? Oh, you mean how long I've, have I been impersonating myself? Let's see. Been uh, eight years. Eight years? So you didn't have this in mind when you would oh, start... Oh, of course not. How could I have worked all this out? <laughs> Who would have thought that so many impersonators would come out of the woodwork like they did? Elvis. Sure, old Prez had his flock of imitators. But anyone else? When's the last time you saw a fake John Lennon or a Buddy Holly look like? It's not just a viable income model. So no, I didn't originally have this all in mind. What happened? Off the record? If that's how you want it. How about this? 
Let's talk a while. You ask whatever you want, and I'll answer as honestly as I can. And when we're done, I'll decide whether or not to put it all on the record. Works for me. Well, I guess it started out of desperation. All those people wanting me to do stuff, all that traveling and hassle. I just reached a point where I couldn't take it anymore. I, I just wanted out. But you couldn't just retire. No. Because you were Rob Jeffers. Right. Just like Presley or Jackson couldn't retire. If I'd canceled all contracts, let everyone go, shut everything down, and, and announced I was through, would they have let me alone? They? You know, the fans, the money people, the New York and Hollywood set. Would anyone have really left me alone? Eventually, maybe they... No, I guess not. Still, faking your own death? Isn't that kind of... <laughs> That's, yeah, maybe. Then again, what else could I do? I mean, no matter what I said or did, they wouldn't leave me alone. So I decided to bail. And after you pulled it off, you couldn't stay hidden, could you? Yeah, it didn't matter what I did. New hairstyle, different facial hair. Hell, I even started wearing the bifocals that for years I'd been too vain to use. Tried losing weight, but that didn't get very far. Wore shoes with extra high heels, so I'd look taller. None of it mattered. At all? Uh, not enough to notice. I had enough money, but I'd seen to that before I'd taken off, so I didn't have to work. But even so, you can't stay shut away forever. Sometimes you just have to get out, you know? Go shopping, taking a movie. And whenever I would... You got recognized? Not always, but it was fairly common for people to wander up to me and point out how much I looked like me. So the first few years after your death... Those reports in the tabloids about people citing you, were those actually... <laughs> yeah, about half of them were delusional idiots, sure, but maybe 50% or so were real. Sometimes I had to shuck it all, move and start all over again. Eventually I got to where I couldn't take it. So, since you had to do something to stay active or go stir-crazy, and since everyone thought you looked like Rob Jeffers, the rock star... Yeah, sure. Add to that, there was such a booming business, people making money hand over fist impersonating me. It seemed like the obvious solution to my troubles, at least until now. Mm, now I guess you'll want to write all this up, and I'll have to come out. Not unless you want it that way. Well, I really kind of like it the way it is, with nobody hassling me. Then that's the way it will be, but do me one favor, will you? Yeah, what's that? If you ever run into Elvis, the real one, could you give me a call? We hope you have enjoyed this presentation of Kevin R. Doyle's One Hell of a Gig, as performed by the Maplewood Barn Radio Players. Kevin kindly allowed us to do this audio adaptation of his novelette, but remember, the entire ebook can be purchased wherever ebooks are sold. He is a very gifted writer, and we encourage you to support him. Our performers in this show were Joe Hayes as Peters, Todd Salazar was Rob Jeffers, Annie, Lisa, and Janice were portrayed by Amy Humphrey, with Darren Helwich playing various editors and publishers throughout the show. 
This production was engineered by Darren and adapted for radio by Brad Buchanan. Post-production was done by Amy Humphrey and Joe Hayes. We hope you've enjoyed this presentation from Maplewood Barn and that you will tune in again next week at the same time for another audio story right here on KBIA.